hearing from Jim Candy. Jim is a colleague of mine, has been uh, planting a church in the Denver area called, is it Ascent Covenant? Ascent, Ascent Community Church. Ascent yeah. Community Church. And if we lived on a higher hill, we might call ourselves Ascent, because I think that's a really cool name, Gotta actually. Gotta live near the mountains, do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Sorry, man. Yeah. <laughs> and Jim has been with our young people this weekend doing a, a retreat. And Jim, we're so glad you're here with us. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Mark. So, thank yeah, you. appreciate it. Yeah. Morning, everyone. Hey, um, I just want to say first, you guys have a treasure in Nate Severson, uh, who is your, you guys know that, don't you? I, I hope you do. Okay, good. He's just doing a phenomenal job with middle and high school students, and it was just fun to be up there with him and Ben and the crew, and so I'm just really honored to be here. I'll tell you just real quick a couple things uh, so you can get to know me a little bit. Uh, a friend and I started Ascent Community Church a year and a half ago in Louisville, Colorado, right outside of Boulder. And uh, we've been going weekly for about a year and a half now, and we meet in an old Sam's Club building. So you walk in to a Sam's Club. If you've ever been in a Sam's Club and it's empty, it's an unbelievable sight. It's a three-acre just nothingness. And what we did was we hung black curtains. We didn't have enough money to drywall, so we have these huge black curtains everywhere. And as the church has just grown over this last year, it's been so fun. We've been able to kind of annex different areas of this huge Sam's Club warehouse. So when you walk into our church, one of the first things you see is a canopy and a trike garage. So we've just got trikes that are lined up there. And you, you're, you check in your kids and you put them on the trike. And then the kids go down. We've got a little path that we've done, you know, on the concrete floor. And you ride your trike down the hall to the cigarette cage where uh, the K-1 meets, right? Uh, the, I'm just, this is how it is. The pharmacy is where the preschool meets. The optometry center is where our two-year-olds meet. And now our second through fifth grade meets in the tire center. So this is life as a church planner. I'm telling you guys, it's so fun. Uh, but we're having a blast, and um, it, it's just been a joy. You know, Boulder, Colorado is actually, uh, in theory, the second least religious city in the United States, according to this survey that went out. So they kind of refer to it as the place where church planners go to die. <laughs> and that hasn't been our story. God has done some really cool things. Last weekend, guys, I stood on a stage right outside of Boulder, Colorado, and we dedicated 26 babies right there. And we're, yeah, a year and a half in, 26 babies. And I just keep, people ask, well, what, what's going on? And I, my answer is, make decisions. And if you're like me, you'll make bad decisions. And then God will, like, save you from them and do something good. And I'm like, that's, that's been the key to our church is my friend and I making bad decisions that God rescues us from. And, and things have happened there that have been really cool. So that's, that's part of my story. Uh, the other thing I wanted to show you is this, it's something new in my life here. Uh, about a few months ago, I was on an alpine slide in Copper Mountain or uh, Winter Park, Colorado, and somebody I snapped this as a selfie with my son behind me there. You know, Micah, that's my uh, one of my guys. He's 10. My other son is 13. They're both redheads, and my wife Karen is kind of makes up our family. But I was looking at this picture, and what do you notice about this picture? I'm losing my hair, and. I just, it was this picture that made me finally go, you all know me as just some bald guy, right, that you haven't known before. This is new in the last two weeks, like I'm sporting this. And so I had my wife shave my head backstage at one of our services a couple weeks ago, and I came out, and everybody was like, oh, 
And it was, it's, for those of you who have done this, it's something real interesting happened to me. The first thing I noticed about being bald was flies started landing on my head. <laughs> like, like crazy. And I, I'm like, does this hat, like, you know, what do I do with this? Do I need insect repellent? Do I need shampoo anymore? Like, like what do you do? The other thing I noticed was people started petting me. <laughs> and I finally, I think I know what it's like to be a woman who's pregnant, you know, and they like rub your... And I'm telling you, if anybody does that and like starts talking to my head in baby voice, like I'm growing my hair back because that's just not going to work for me, you know? All right. None of that has anything to do with James chapter 3, but we're going to dive into that now. And uh, I am honored to be here. I'd like to just pray for us again as we get going. So God, we ask now that you would help us to focus on your word and focus on how can we move closer to you, Lord. That's why we are here is to know Jesus more, and I pray for my friends here that you would help us move in that direction, and we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, you've been going through James. James has so much to say, guys, and I want us to look again. Mark read the scripture, and if we look at James uh, 3.13, you're getting a glimpse. You're getting kind of an arrow on where James wants us to go. If you're wise in understanding God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with humility. Once you notice that word, that's going to be important. Humility that comes from wisdom. Now notice, verse 13 sets kind of the arc for where James is hoping you to go in wisdom. Verses 14 through 16 are going to show you a different way of life. There's a different side of this. But if you are bitterly jealous with selfish ambition, boasting, lying, jealousy, selfishness, look at all these words earthly, unspiritual, demonic, jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, evil. He is pounding away here at a different kind of life. He's giving you a glimpse of the kind of life God wants us to lead, and now he's, in verse 14 through 16, going to give you a glimpse of a different way to live. And then look how he ends in verse 17 and 18. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure, loving, gentle, mercy, Good deeds, no favoritism, sincere, peacemakers, a harvest of righteousness. He's giving you a shot, a glimpse into what's happening. Guys, do you see what's happening here? There's two different glimpses of what a human being can look like, of what a human soul can look like. There's verse 13, there's verses 14 through 16, and then there's verses 17 and 18. And James is saying, which one are we going to be? How are we going to live? You know, as I think about this, I think there's a, oh shoot, there it is. Might need help. Okay, is that up? Great. So I, as I think about this, you guys, I think about my own life, and I, I think the best metaphor I can use for this, I want to kind of draw for you here. Here's what we're going to do, too. Um, apparently, I didn't know this, but Hillcrest actually has a luxury box at, uh, at the Royal Stadium. What do you call it? The Coffin Stadium? And so Mark is um, going to give away those luxury seats. Um, so we're going we're gonna to play that for this next week in the World Series. We're going to play a little bit of Pictionary, and whoever can shout out, I, I don't know if you're used to shouting in church, but we're going to shout out who can get this right first. You get the luxury seats to the World Series next week. So just talk to Mark after the service. So... Come on. Anybody? You must not want those seats. It's not Africa. 
an iceberg. Thank you. You get the luxury seats. Talk to Mark afterwards, okay? <laughs> Guys, as I think about this scripture, this is what comes to mind. An iceberg. What do you see about an iceberg? An iceberg has part of it right up on the surface that's open. And then there's this giant part underneath the surface that you can't see. This is, if you're me anyway, this is the human soul. There is a part that's above the surface that some of us have said, God, I'm giving this to you. Like, here's, here's a piece of my life, God. I'm going to do my best to give it to you. And then there's this big part underneath the surface, some of which we don't even know or understand that we don't, can't, or won't give to God. Guys, the process of discipleship, discipleship is just a word for following Jesus. That's what a disciple is, someone who follows Jesus. The process of discipleship is saying, what is under here? And how do I take that and move it to the top? Right? This is verses 13, 17 through 18. This is 14 through 16. And what James is saying, he's saying, guys, don't live a life where you harbor stuff under the surface. How will you bring that up to the top? Now, here's my thought on this. If you're like me, like some of you guys are sitting here and you're like, actually, my iceberg's inverted. Like, I've got most of my life up top given to God and there's like this much I haven't. Like, you're preaching next week, right? Because that's, that's great. But that's not me. And I wonder sometimes, I'm terrified by the idea that I go day by day and there's opportunities that come up in my life, just normal, regular stuff, not big drama, but normal, everyday stuff where there's clues that I could notice that could help me move that bottom of the iceberg to the top, and I miss them. My question is, guys, today for you, how could we be people that don't miss those opportunities? How could we be people that live in verse 13, 17, and 18, not 14 through 16? And do you notice those opportunities every day? I wanna, um, I'm, I'm working a little bit today off, there's a book by a guy named Peter Scazzaro, and the title of the book, oh, I gotta, man, I gotta figure this out here. The title of the book, I'm messing this up again. Title of the book is called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I don't know if you can read, you can't read the subtitle. Let me read it to you. The subtitle says, It's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And I wonder, it got me thinking when I read this. I wonder if some clues to what is on the bottom of our iceberg that we're not aware of is put in our face every day by the emotions that we experience. That they might be God-given gifts for us to examine those and say, I'm going to lift the bottom of the iceberg to the top. I want you to think a little bit this week, today. What were some of the emotions that you experienced that came flooding at you and hit you? You know, I, th I think about just the normal ones I feel. Look at this list. Anger, fear, disappointment, there's, there's joy, love, there's suspicion, there's guilt, there's
there's stress, there's hope, there's encouragement, there's resignation, I'm giving up. There's sadness, there's surprise, there's disgust, there's shame, there's the desire to revenge. Have you felt one of those lately, already this morning? If you're like me, you, you go through life and you experience these emotions. And I think what I'm trying to say today is that there's an opportunity here to examine when those things hit you and actually say those are clues to how God might grow me in discipleship. Those are clues to how I'm going to raise the iceberg. A few weeks ago, I uh, got on a plane, went to Ohio, never been to Cleveland before. Uh, went to a Kansas City Royals-Indians game while I was there, and uh, I think it was Rios hit a home run, and the guy accidentally pushed the fireworks button in the, you guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you should have heard that stadium, man. They were not happy. And I didn't have a dog in the fight, so I'm like, oh, this is great. <laughs> I went and I met with a group of church planters for a couple days, and at the end of the retreat, I had to get to the airport, and I had to get there fast, because I... You know, I'd like to schedule stuff like this. So I get my car at the end of the retreat. Off I go. I set my little maps thing to get me to the airport. But I've got to be going because if I miss it, uh, you know, this is going to be tight. I'm on my way. I set the thing. And Siri's telling me every, you know, few miles in 10 miles, take a ride onto U.S. whatever highway. So I get up to the exit to get uh, to the airport. And sure enough, at the exit, there's cop cars everywhere. Big machinery. Like, this thing's, I don't know what they're doing, but this road is closed. And I just had this moment of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late for my flight. Has anybody here ever screamed at Siri before? <laughs> I'm like, Siri! You know? And what happens when you go by your exit that's blocked off? In 1,000 feet, take a U-turn. Right? I'm like, I, don't you know it's blocked? I'm yelling at Siri in my car. I go down a little bit further, in one mile, take a U-turn. Finally, guys, I scream at the top of my lungs in my car, I hate Ohio! I hate Ohio! Here I am, in my rental car, yelling at a computer, and screaming at a state that I've never been to before, which is lovely, by the way, if you're from Ohio, you know, it's great. What's happening? Is that normal? Like, come on, you, you experience this. What's happening in that moment? Now, I got two choices. I can just kind of keep going. That's, you know, what I normally do. But is it possible that that moment is something that lurks right here? And do I need to stop and actually consider it and realize it? How do I do it? Guys, I want to give you, I want to give you a little, little request, a little kind of challenge today for this. I want, to, I want to give you three steps that I think we can try. Just try this. Try this this week. And you can email me and let me know if this did anything. But try this this week as a way to live into this idea of the kind of person that you want to be according to what James is talking about here. I want to give you three tips for raising this iceberg. First thing I think we got to do with this, when, when these moments come up, I think we've got to identify the reality. 
I don't, I don't know about you, but I think one of the things that's on the shortest supply is human self-awareness. I know that I go through my life, and I, it's so funny, like the people that I live with and work with, I, it is so easy for me to see what's under their iceberg for them. And I'm sure it's the same as they look at me. And isn't it interesting that we go through life and none of us ever tell each other that? Is that a good thing? Or does that in the end actually harm us and prevent us from moving into this life that Jesus wants us to be? You guys notice in that first verse, in verse 13, what does it say? Where does that wisdom come from? It says it comes from humility. I can't think of anything more humbling and full of humility than the idea that we're going to look at ourselves and actually acknowledge and identify the reality of what's underneath the iceberg. When um, a few years ago, I was finishing up a degree at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena, California. And I was there, and uh, we had our two kids and my wife, and we, I had some buddies, and we would go running like every morning while we were there. You got to know people really well if you go running every morning with them. So one day, a friend in this group, this running group, says to me, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we someday grab some lunch and let's just go around the circle and we'll say the things that we see in each other that aren't good. And I'm like, I'm like, are you, like, are you serious? He's like, yeah, it'll be great. I'm like, all right. He's one of those guys, right? So, so we sit around in the circle and we start going around. And I find myself like saying to Rich, like, yeah, here's some things that, man, I don't know. I'm being a little shy. I've never done this before. We get to me, and I'm like, I don't know. These guys aren't going to have much to say, right? <laughs> Jeff looks at me and says, Jim, you know what I notice in you? You kind of can manipulate people. You're pretty skilled at manipulating people and getting what you want. And I don't know that that's good. Ouch! Like, how much does that hurt? And how much is that a gift? How much is that a gift? Guys, I think, it, paraphrase the Proverbs, right? It's a fool that despises correction. But wisdom, James is talking about here, wisdom will embrace that. Wisdom will look with humility under the iceberg. You can even take that kind of advice and go, okay. That might hurt, but I'm going to take it. Second thought for how do you identify what's under the iceberg? And, and I, I actually want to say this, and I hate to be a genderist, but I, mainly to us guys. Some of us men have grown up in situations where we don't let ourselves feel. Where we were trained at a young age, don't show those emotions. That's weakness. You know, I, I remember as a kid, we loved, I was like 12 years old, and I don't think my mom still knows that we watched rated R movies all the time, so don't tell her. <laughs> we watched Conan the Barbarian. There's this scene in Conan the Barbarian where Conan's wife dies, and is, he does this little ceremony on a hilltop, and as he's walking down the hilltop, there's two guys waiting down on the bottom, and one of them starts crying. Some of you know the scene, right? One of them starts crying. The other guy turns to him and says, why are you crying? It's Conan's wife that died. And his response is, I'm crying 
because Conan does not know how to cry. So I cry for him. <laughs> you guys, as 12-year-olds, we were like, yes! <laughs> that is the greatest thing we've ever heard. Right? I mean, we were on the playground. Somebody, like, falls down, breaks their arm. We're like, Conan does not know how to cry. <laughs> like, do not cry, you know? And we... In all seriousness, though, some of us have grown up in a situation where we have learned to not show our emotions, to not feel. Guys, it kills your ability to love. It destroys your ability to look under the surface and say, gosh, I'm feeling this. If I'm going to even deny that that feeling exists, how in the world am I supposed to identify what's under that iceberg and then lift it to the surface? One of the words James uses is unspiritual. Because it has its roots, that word has its roots in the idea of God breathing life into someone. Even all the way back into Genesis 2, that God would breathe life into a person. That's where the roots of spirituality, it's a beautiful word, God breathing life into you. Unspiritual is the idea that we actually don't accept that breath of life. And when we don't feel, we are rejecting the image of God. We are actually becoming less human. You gotta let yourself feel. We gotta identify the reality by letting people speak into our lives and really feeling what it is to look under there and go, okay, now that I've identified the reality, I can do something else. I can identify the root. Emotions are a window into your soul. Now, the danger about this James passage is if you just read verses 14 through 16, you see all these verbs, bitterness, you know, self-ambition, envy. You can look at those words and say, okay, I just got to stop doing those truth is we have to look underneath the surface of what's the root of why I feel that way in the first place. When I'm in my car screaming at a state, what's the root? So for once, I actually got on the plane, I took out my journal, and I just started writing. I said, God, why am I screaming at Siri? I like Ohio. I saw a bald eagle. Why am I yelling at Ohio? And I just started kind of tracing back, like, what is it? And I realized, well, why did I schedule my plane so close? Why could, I could have taken a flight that was maybe another hour or two later. Why did I do that? And then I started going, you know what? I think it's because there's something deep inside me that feels like I can't be gone from home even an hour or two longer than I should. Why is that? You know, I wonder if that's because my parents were divorced when I was little and my dad moved away, went off. He's been married, remarried, married, remarried five times. And I have lived in my house with this idea that my greatest fear is to be a terrible dad. And so I plan my flights just like that so I can get home so that I'll never be like my dad. Now, this is all playing out on a roadway in Ohio. I have the opportunity to actually look at that 
or not. And if I don't, I'm unspiritual. And I'm continuing to go on harboring things in my life that could result in bitterness and anger. It's a gift. Those emotions that you feel this week are a gift. You have to identify the root. My poor wife, she, uh, <laughs> she, when she shaved my head a couple weeks ago, she realized something. It's really interesting. I just never would have guessed this. A few years back, my wife has always cut my hair. Like, church planners save money any way we can, right? So for 15 years, she has, you know, been my barber. There were two times in those 15 years that she forgot to put the guard on. So I'm like, yeah, let's do a two in the back, you know, inch on top. She forgets to put the guard on. Right off the back of my head, like just shaved, no hair. Both times. Now, some of you, if you did this to your husband, like, you, come on, who would laugh, right? Who would just, you'd love it, right? Both times this happened, she burst into tears. And I, I just, I, at the time, I just thought, oh, man, okay, well, like, it's okay. I don't care. Like, she seems real sensitive about this. It seems odd. Like, what's the big deal? Two weeks ago, she shaves my head, and afterwards, later in the afternoon, we're on a walk, and she's looking at my head, and she goes, I just realized something. It's like, so, said what? She goes, when my dad died, her dad died when she was seven years old, had cancer. She said, I just realized that I have always associated a bald, shaved head with sickness. And she's like, those times where I shaved your head and burst into tears, she's like, that's what was going on. Guys. Do not let these opportunities pass you. They are windows into the bottom of the iceberg. Pieces of your life that if we identify the root, we are able to bring them to the surface and say, Jesus, they are yours. And now Karen is like moving in a different direction with this particular thing going, I understand something about myself that I never did before and it's going to help me live into who God wants me to be. You know, the thing about this If we don't do this, if we don't really dive into the depths of who we are and bring it to the surface, we are destined, I think, to be more like our family of origin than we are like the family of God. And I think it's worth asking this question. Does my life reflect Jesus or my family of origin more? And I think part of what we can do in this process is say, God, I want to be more like you and your family. And Jesus, I want you to shape my life. I want you to take me and be the kind of wisdom that James is talking about here. Last thing, three tips for raising the iceberg. Let Jesus take it then. I don't know what that looks like for you. For me, it looked like with Ohio sitting on an airplane Journal open, just saying, God, help me identify this. But then once I do, I have to pray like crazy. Spirit, I need you now to take that and shape in me something new. This might look like that for you. It might look like having a spiritual friend that is close to you that can help 
live into that, somebody that you can bounce this off of, who can speak into your life, who can say, I- I'm going to help you move that in the right direction. You can do that for somebody else. One of the most beautiful things we can do, the most humble things we can do, the stuff James is talking about here, is let Jesus take it and turn you into someone who is living into verses 13, 17, and 18 and taking the bottom of the iceberg, 14 through 16, and saying, you're out. I want to end just by us looking at this passage again. Because this is a vision of who we could be. Listen to these words. Just let them, let them soak over you. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace. What an image. And reap a harvest of righteousness. That doesn't come easy. But that can be you. That could be us. That could be this church. God, would you help us to do that? Would you help us to have the courage and the humility that James talks about here to look at our lives and authentically bring that to you? Lord, I pray for uh, my friends here in the room. God, it is a privilege to be part of your church, whether it's in Colorado or Kansas City, we are part of the same church. And we come to you today and ask that your spirit would shape in our hearts those places that we have harbored beneath the surface. Lord, speak to us this week on how we might move forward and totally surrender those things to you, Jesus. We know that's a process, but would you start us down that road? And everybody prayed that together and said together, amen. Thanks, guys.